0: Hi, and welcome to the Sunday Lunch Project Manager podcast for Sunday, the 6th of November, 2022. This is your host, Nigel Creaser, and this week we have the second part of my interview with Andrew Bull, the monstrous team guy. Enjoy. Enjoy. Tell us a bit let's let's start talking about
1: look, that look, he, here's yeah. one of the, the, the so this is a monster i'm showing up if you're watching on youtube right now you'll be able to see the monster on your screen which is called the hangry Snagler, which has uh, that's a monster which encourages a ferocious appetite for work and people taking on too much yeah now the problem with that is as you've said nigel is that often that means critical processes in the hands of just a few people, oh, God, yeah. and ultimately that means the business isn't really secure long term. Because if you take away that person, yeah, which which could happen. Because what you know, if nothing else, we've learned from the last couple of years is how volatile everything is and how things can just change quickly. I had a podcast uh, interview scheduled two days ago. I was just about to start it and I had to go to the hospital with my child and I'm, I'm, my child is fine, but you you just never know when things are going to happen. So if you're not planning for these kind of uh, random events in your business and for people to cover for other people, your business isn't as secure and it's also not as scalable because everything's bottlenecking the whole time. It's always got to go through those one or two
0: people. I always talk about the random bus scenario. If I'm, if i'm talking to a client or, or or one of the management team or one of the team and go right right we've agreed it brilliant we're happy um i'll ping you an email just so we all clear on it just in case we get the random bus if i get it by a bus and then you've got an agreement with me and then everyone can so i, I just usually the random bus scenario is my is my sorry um it, it's uh, no, that was before uh the last few years um which were, um, you've even got those, which are kind of even more doomsayer, aren't they really? They can be, um, but you, you're right. You don't know And those bottlenecks are awful because people, and, and the thing is those people tend to do it. And then if this is where you get it from is get the same sort of view is they do it out of a, quite a lot of people sit there and think, well, those are the people, the knowledge is key, knowledge is power. And I don't think most people there they will get a small number of people who think "Well, I'm going to keep this to myself. I'm not going to show anyone else because that means I'm securing my job and I'm OK. People don't think like that. Not the majority. The majority of people are going, it just needs to be done. We've got to get it done. This is important. And I'll do it. Sort it. I'm a, and, and they're not trying to be a hero. They're just being a servant to the business a lot of the time. And they're taking on it and they're doing it and they, they are that critical linchpin and I'm too busy to give someone else coaching to do it because I need to make sure it's right. And, and it's out of, out of a positive intent, but it's such a negative um, uh, wider position, isn't it?
1: Yes. Because also what's happening then is we're taking opportunities away from other people. For example, let's say you run a meeting and a new project, maybe an interesting project has come in and the, the leader goes, who wants to be involved or run this? And then just the same people stick up their hands quickly and grab hold of it. Well, it's you know, the same projects are always going to the same people. They're always having the same learning experiences yeah. and the other people aren't having those. And yeah. also something else you might then be building into your business if this keeps happening, happening is a loss of diversity and a lot of uh you know a broader yeah um depth of ideas to come because sometimes the quieter people are also have valuable ideas to share but they're just a bit more hesitant or slow about sharing them
0: yeah i think it's it, it, I, when i've been running workshops i'm trying to do solutioning things like that i'm uh, or I've been involved in stuff. I know I'm gobby. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll. Um, I've got a podcast, so I can talk. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's kind of like I like to hear my own voice. I, um, and I do have a lot of stupid ideas, and I'll throw them out there, and I don't mind them being stupid ideas because it's that whole thing of a hundred stupid ideas, one great one. I'm looking for my great one. But I'll find it eventually. Um, but I think it's it. And someone of my own can be a little outspoken and can. Others may, as you say, not want to chip in. And I, I, I it's hard, but I sometimes consciously think, actually, I know the answer to this. I need to keep my gob shut. Or I've got an idea on this. I need to keep my gob shut because someone else might have a better idea. Um, and let let the room breathe sort of thing rather than jump in and with that. And then if nothing is forthcoming, then I can kind of, well, I've got this idea. But it's, sometimes it is that uh, that eagerness to yeah, I've got a great idea and that, that character trait of, of being, and, and, and and it, it is, that I, I, I'm a big, I don't know if you're aware of it, there, there's a model called the disc model, um which is a, the four quadrant model, and I'm a big fan of that because I love the simplicity of it, and simple's great for me, um and that, that whole thing of those high I's and high D's, and it's the high I's going potentially being quite persuasive with an idea, and people go, well oh, yeah, that sounds all right, even if it's not particularly good and the idea is it's such so um directive and we've got to do it this way again they're convincing and the, the others all isn't it you've got the other the other guys the high c's who are super analytical who actually probably know the answer better than either of those two they have a much better grasp of what's really happening in the actual if it's a transactional type thing and then you've got the, those um high s's who if it's about people they will absolutely know better than those others around what those what people's really feeling in in an organization so you lose those those super analytical and that super in touch with the organizational's sort of um, motivations and things like that just because these two are louder
1: (laughs) which is interesting because this this like segues into an idea around communication and about soft skills within a business so people are trained in things like technology or maybe project management tools or other more you know traditional qualifications but not a lot of people are trained in things like communication or shutting up for five minutes so someone else can get a word in or listening or being able to actually really listen to someone these so-called soft skills are, are massively important and i might even argue they're just as
0: important as the, the professional they're,
1: qualifications
0: they're, because, more, they're more important they're much yeah. more important because it's about human interaction and everything is about human interaction the fact that we're talking here the fact that we're doing stuff here we're we're using it you you're, you're your camera is working brilliantly. It's lovely. You've got great lighting on there. Your skills in the, in the video industry better than mine, as we proved earlier when I couldn't get my green screen to work properly, um, which sounds silly, but yeah, I, I understand what I'm talking about. Um, actually, this conversation is the important part. What we're communicating is the important part, not the video, the audio tools the techniques of doing it it's some of our knowledge now but it's this conversation and this human communication that is important and those are the bits that go wrong the the you, you use a tool like an email you send someone an email they read it with an emphasis of of different like I, I, again i'm sure i've said this multiple times but i love it is the the um i, I never so said she stole the milk phrase you've got a blank phrase there and if you say, I never said she stole the milk, you're inferring someone else's. I never said she stole the milk, you're inferring, you didn't say she did, it. someone else. And you've got all, and on an email, you don't know where the emphasis is and you add that emphasis and then that communication breaks down because you're going, oh, they're being Um. Or on, that's when I gave my daughter her, when she first started using WhatsApp and text messages, I said, don't, and that exact conversation I went through that with her going, each of those emphasis and go remember every time you read that you're doing that. You can't stop yourself doing it. And it's all through your own lens, isn't it? And actually me as a project manager, being trained as a project manager. Yeah. I know how to do a risk register. I know how to do risk management. I know how to do all, all the estimating tooling and all those different things. Yeah. I know I should create this and all this in process, but actually most of my job is talking to a customer, to a team member, to a um, another here about that's what about getting something done. And it's people get it done, not the processes, not the tooling, not the skills. And, and maybe that's my role's a bit different. But I get again, if you're completely autonomous and doing your own bit of work, you creating something's pointless if you're not creating the right thing for someone else. And then those soft skills is where you work out whether it's the right thing And
1: Yeah, the soft skills are so important. Mm. The way I like to think about it is this is imagine your business is a spaceship right and you're going through space and you're heading towards your goals but what you don't realize is that there are all these monsters on board your spaceship stalking your team members and dragging down their skills at things like communication or being able to regulate their emotions or having good habits and these might seem like small things But when you add them up, they can make a huge impact to individual performance and then the performance of the whole team. And so we really need to open our eyes to these monsters being present. And I just want to be clear here, I'm not referring to monsters as individuals in your business. They're about these bigger ideas and challenges and opportunities within a business that if you can face up to them and take them on, you can get you can achieve so much more with your business i think think of just all the energy that's wasted because people are miscommunicating by email and you know cheesing off each other a little bit and then that like could ripple on for a couple of weeks until eventually people warm up to each other again and these things happen all the time um so we need to face up to These the, these so-called softer skills and these performance monsters exist and they're not related to traditional skills. They're in these other areas that are really important that we, that we face up to and get over. And, I, and I, I will also tell you why people need to do it as well. Why they should start facing up to these monsters is because we live in this world of hyper change and challenge where nothing is predictable, everything changes. And so for your business to survive and thrive in that, you can't just have an okay business. You need you need a stronger business where people are more adaptable. They can better deal with challenges uh, and and you know hard situations. And also, you can improve the productivity because I've been speaking this week with a bunch of businesses who are moving to four day weeks, and they're trying to work out how they can stay as productive while they do that well, one of the ways you can stay as productive and give people four-day weeks is remove all those inefficiencies in communication
0: yeah.
1: and personal challenges, which are actually secretly dragging down the business
0: performance. Yeah, I, I think it's, um, it's the death of a thousand cuts scenario, isn't it? It's not... I had a recent conversation about productivity and about tooling and about um, how some tooling... It can be perceived if you look at a piece of tool and you've got a very small inefficiency in it and you've got to do something, copy something from here, retype it from there, whatever it is. And it costs a minute, two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, but then you've got a couple of minutes just to double check. There's Every so often there's an error, there's a typo. It's not quite right. The numbers don't add up. And then that costs a problem down here. And then you start spreading that. You've got one person who's doing that, but maybe that's a tool that everyone's using. You've got 200, 300, 400 people who are using that tool who have the same sort of thing. And then you aggregate that errors that potentially come in there, those minutes that those people are using, and they drop out into that and then your organization and suddenly you look at it and you've got, and you start scaling up the cost of time, the scale up the cost of um, rework. And you look at it and you've got that's three people's jobs of extra time, or actually nine times out of 10, that's three people's worth of work that all of these people are doing a little bit extra somewhere later on, going home a little bit later, having a shorter lunch or whatever. And that, and you can't, it isn't visible, but it erodes and it undermines and it breaks down the organization. And that's where I think that it's, it as that's what I'm getting from this, is that those hidden things in there, inefficiencies, whether it be personal relationship efficiency, whether it be tooling efficiencies, that, that just kick the crap out of your business. And if you can get rid of all of that, and give people the time. And as you say, when you get a misunderstanding on a an email, when people have, people haven't got the time there, so pick up the phone and go, "You're right. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean that." Bang, done. Because we don't pick up the phone much now, especially now in this post pandemic era. It's kind of with IM, occasionally Teams calls where it's groups of people, but the one to one phone calls we do it. I do it through a Teams chat, but it's quite often you don't. It's not as often, but I'm, I try to do more now, where it's kind of I'm getting confused here, phone. Yeah, it's going to, rather than trying to do it by, by, um, thing. And, and I think if you're a team in a, a co-located team and I don't believe that co-location is the answer. I don't believe fully remote is the answer. There's, there's something in between, but that co-located team, you bump into Joe blogs, who you've, he thinks you're an idiot because of what you've written on an email by the coffee machine. Go, oh, I'm very happy with that email. Why? What's the matter? Oh, Oh no, I didn't mean that. Oh, right. Cool and it's finished, it's gone, and it isn't festering for two weeks because you bumped into each other at the coffee shop, these, at, the, at the coffee um, counter. These days, it might be three months before you bump into that same person these days because you haven't been into the office or you've been in and they've been on a different day. And those, um, those resolution steps that happen aren't there as often now, are they? So it's, it's even more important to think, hang on, it, as an organization kind of thing how do we solve these people interactions how do we make it clearer and, and have less of these um, misunderstandings
1: yeah it's massively important that we try and keep communication as human as possible yeah and I try not to put anything contentious into an email in fact yeah. I'll just deliberately avoid that and I would rather rather send a voice note or video recording um, or just try and jump on a call if I can, a video call because there's so much right now we're expressing to each other through body language. Yeah. you just which just you can't get in an email there you go. And it's so easy. Even if you think you've used the 100% the correct words, it doesn't always matter because if the person's having a bad day or they've had something else happen, they could just read your email and just jump to a conclusion, a negative conclusion about it. Yeah. So we do have to be mindful of our communication and just how other people per- perceive our communication as well. But that, that, there's also a mindset here thing as well of kind of the toxicity of general culture as mm. well. You know, you've only got to go on Twitter and see yeah. people ripping into each other and going, Why did you say that? Why did you do that? There's this general vibe of people like finding reasons to fall apart. So, one of the things we can do as leaders is help our team members get a better mindset and start looking for the good in other people and looking in for commonalities and overlap an and not focus on the differences so
0: much. Yeah, and it kind of—you just made me think. I've got a, a session with my team next week. Um, we've got a workshop, and I usually like to try and do something a bit different at the beginning, icebreaker kind of scenario. But I think I might use that. I never told it. I never said she stole the milk as a an exercise for the team. To all of them, write down a one sentence about who stole the milk.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> I <did> think. But- <laughs> blame is such a toxic culture to have in a business and actually it's one of the the first ones that i talk about in the business because i i think if you're starting off with your business not being in a in a in a strong position then the place where you're probably going to start out with it is having some degree of blame culture within it and there's the blame blob showing on, on the screen right now so that's one of the the monsters in yeah. the book. And and just to be clear in my book, I'm not just uh, introducing these monsters. I'm also giving actionable steps for how yeah. to overcome them. Um, but yeah, people point, you know, this is something that happened a lot in the film industry because there is those high stakes and high yeah, money yeah. people pointing fingers and going, why did this happen? Why did that happen? And people shirking. Yeah. People either being negative and not being in a learning mode which is I think the mode that we need to be in stuff happens is there's going to be, um, there's going to be mistakes, right? That's just the nature of business and us as humans. If you add complex things together and humans, there's going to be mistakes and things are going to get missed. But when we jump from something bad happening into p- finger pointing, it's never positive. It's never helping. It's never helping us move forward, but it all all too often uh, unfortunately, happens in the, in the wrong culture. So yeah, I think that's that's definitely a sign of a, of a of a, a not very strong business and a business that starts to really need to think about how it's working together as a team, and how and how the team members can just change their mindset towards each other. Yeah. But uh, but that doesn't. But I would say blame doesn't just come from an individual. Right. It doesn't just come because you know, I've, I've got a bad mindset and I've come into this business with a bad mindset. It can also be something that's encouraged by the business itself. Yeah. So if you have like a hyper competitive business where it's actually if in my interest to outperform you, right? Because yeah. it's going to make a big difference in the money I earn or getting a tasty promotion, then it might be in my interest to undermine you and keep pointing out to the boss what you've done wrong.
0: Yeah and that's not that's not a good place to be is it because you want if if you want the whole thing to be doing well you want those people to go hey dude you've sp- you've cocked up here sort it out rather than saying oh they've cocked up oh good because it does create that where you go yeah i can help i did this sorted so their their ship rises their ship rises and they help each other whereas if you blame one it's again it's it's that cycle down isn't it you spiral down into having a go at each other. And I I think sometimes some organizations, depending on what kind of organization they are, whether they be public, whether they be FTSE or NASDAQ, and they have the three-month windows or whatever, or what's going on in the the political or um, their share price, whatever, can affect that amount of um, knee-jerk of going, it's not my fault because people are under attack and they p- become defensive and either they build, you say all these blame cultures, or they build so much um, governance and structure and, and due diligence in that it stifles the work.
1: Yeah, that can be a problem. I mean, you can have a Titanic moment. Yeah. Where, which is in Titanic where some people were selfish and kept other people away from the lifeboats yeah. because the ship's going down and they want to save themselves. And right now there's, Some companies out there who are looking to slash uh, jobs and in those companies, if the leaders aren't careful, it's going to encourage a culture of people pushing each other overboard and, you know, pointing out mistakes to to make that happen. So we need to be mindful of these things all the time because, yeah, maybe even if there are layoffs happening in a business, you know, let's not make things worse by making the culture really horrible while those things are happening as well. Yeah. Like let's at least do this in a dignified human way.
0: Yeah. I've been through was it, three, four redundancy sort of phases and, and um, in the organizations and none of them have been actually one of them was, was managed quite well because it was a um, uh, the, the, the managers within the organization were very, were sensible who the people who were doing the transition and they did something that was they were people focused rather than organizational focused some of the others have been quite um quite brutal i've seen um uh both me experience redundancy and seeing people who have been made redundant on teams and stuff so it's it's a hard area and to be able to maintain um and i do think whilst you as an organisation, the organisations will sit there and go, "I don't want to do this so much." So the the approach of voluntary redundancy means that you potentially lose some of your um, your top performers because they think, "Oh, I can get a role there and I can do that, and I'm ready for change." Actually, then it that what that does create is a bunch of people who have left because they wanted to, and the pe and and the people who who remain have stayed because they wanted to rather than feeling, oh, I was under threat. It was it kind of gets a nicer balance in that. But uh, I imagine there's a whole raft of publications on the psychology of redundancy and things like that on both organisation and people and, and all that sort of thing. And uh, it's funny, it, just looping around right to the blame thing, I think I've pinged your message on it, if I remember right. There's, um, there's a podcast that uh, Cornelius Fischner does called The PM Podcast, and, uh, for, and it's a very brilliant podcast. Um, even, even even though it's kind of uh, in the same realm he, he approaches things very differently and he has uh, he had a podcast a few years ago and April 1st which was um, where you have obviously project management you've got change management risk management all these different processes he had blame management and it was an April Fool's thing but it was a full analysis of how in an organization you put together your blame management plan. So when you've got a project and when the project doesn't go right, right, okay, you identify your potential blamees, uh, who you're going to blame and and what they would do and, and which bits and kind of which bits where you'd need to. And, and this, I was absolutely howling with laughter listening to it in the car one day when I was listening to it. And it's just, uh, it, but the thing that was sad and funny at the same time is that you've seen people do some you can maybe not as conscious but subconsciously doing that hang on a minute this is going tits up who am i who who am i uh, lining people up there or or making sure people are copied in on something to make sure that they were aware and should have done something and it never works for me because I never read my copied emails, but that's another subject for me. Um, and, and it just, yeah, it was uh, the blame thing. It's very interesting when that blame Bob thing is, I can imagine that can tear down a business really quickly. If everyone starts doing it.
1: Oh, you end up with having people only linked by contractual obligations yeah. and nothing else holding <sighs> them together. So, I mean, this is the great thing why the film industry has been such a, learning experience for me because i was in some teams for a longer time but some teams i'd be with for a week at a time and so it's you go through all these phases of business growth and collapse and success and failure really quickly and i'll give you i'll share one experience of blame that i had uh i went to do this car commercial for a company out in malta they've got a beautiful infinity tank there where you can put the camera down low you have your boat in the tank and it looks right. like you're shooting all the way out to sea. Now, this was supposed to be a night shoot. Do you know when we went to shoot this? Guess when? Six in the morning. So, summer solstice, right? That's the time. That's the time. The year shortest.
0: To, the shortest the,
1: that's right. They scheduled it over the shortest days of the year, shooting this night shoot in Malta. It's just crazy. So the whole thing was a little bit doomed from day one Yeah. Uh, because of that. And I actually wrote beforehand. I wrote them a report, and I was like, "Well, these are the things that need to happen for this project to be a success." I gave them the schedule, and then they came up to me when things were going wrong during the shoot. I mean, this is one of these these times in my life when I didn't actually have a choice about whether to take the project yeah, or yeah. not. I was yeah. contracted with another business. We were doing it. I'd consulted, given the best forecast and approach possible. Whether you take it or not, I can't control. I, I can't control that. But then I was there on the shoot and they were like, Why did you write this long report and tell us about all the problems? It's all your fault. And it's just like, it's just hilarious. Like, you're so basically, you're having a go at me for writing the report that told you about all this stuff that was going to happen if we didn't allow enough time and yeah. X, Y, and Z. And it's just people will naturally find a way to blame whoever they can in these self, situations. Self preservation, isn't it? It's self preservation, but there's also something else going on. A lot of people and i think this is true for an enormous amount of people haven't yet taken ownership of their lives and this is why you know this is why my slogan is have courage own your future take action because owning your life and your future is crucial for personal growth and yeah. getting beyond things like blame so if we start understanding and accepting that we're, we determine our results, then we stop blaming for others and we look at what we can do yeah. to make situations better. And I think that that's a crucial thing. And I think there'll be people in your business who probably look at where they are in life right now and see it not as a result of their own ideas and hard work, but they'll see it all as being someone else's responsibility. This kind of idea that I am a victim in life and situations thrust upon me so we need to help people move beyond that idea and help help people see that they are protagonists in their own movie this is your movie grasp it with both hands be that leading actor and and make your own future own that future
0: yeah I think that's a great point and I think it, it um it yeah it just you see that ownership of your errors, ownership of your successes, treat them as a little bit of luck from somewhere else. And there's very few people who are have no choices out there. Um certain certainly you will have people who are in situations like in Europe at the moment or situations with COVID that you, you can't control and it isn't isn't that but there's much smaller minority than the the most of us who are in a situation where we can we can make a decision to change something that's going on that isn't that we're not happy with. Now there's a risk involved, there's a discomfort involved, but we can choose to do it. Um, And uh, we, there is that entitlement um, sort of uh, you see out there and and you mentioned Twitter earlier and I avoid Twitter quite a lot because I I just get grumpy with, (laughs) with reading the stuff that's on there and just kind of, I don't engage, but it doesn't, it doesn't up most of the time it doesn't uplift my uh, my day by looking at that so
1: yeah, yeah. but then again I, I suppose there's an opportunity I mean I'm not doing Twitter too much right now because I've got I've just too spread too thin yeah. so I'm not really doing it too much so if you want to connect with me head over to LinkedIn yeah. uh, search for Andrew Ball that's with you and I'll be glad to connect with you but what I try and do is be positive and bring people together and and find and find we can explore ideas and i'm interested in hearing other people's perspectives but i don't go on there trying to find reasons to disagree with people or to start some kind of conflict and i think you can be we can all be leaders in these spaces by being positive and acting like that and that's the only way these spaces will get better
0: yeah is if we lead by example that's a fair point that's a fair challenge to me to maybe uh, engage a bit more in there yeah, I'm, I'm similar to you. LinkedIn seems to be my main uh, main area. So on that point, we're coming just coming up on the hour, plus the extra bits for me and my technical problems. Um, so uh, I'm really appreciative of you giving me so much time. A um, couple of things. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that you didn't mention? And then uh, if not, there's how can people, you mentioned LinkedIn, but how can people get it, find out more about the book? Have, have you got a the book there to wave in front so we can see the front page. So people might be able to recognize it and things like that. I'll
1: hold up. I'll hold up the book. There we go. Monsters. It's called Monsters of Team Performance. Uh, You can only find it on my website right now, which is interstellarway.life. That's interstellarway.life. And it's designed to be a really easy, I'm sorry, if you're listening, uh, this won't make an awful lot of sense to you, but I'll do my best to describe it. But this book is designed to be really easy to get through. So there's lots of illustrations, not too many words, because I know business leaders and owners are overwhelmed. We don't have time to read tons of books. So this book's this this book's a bit different in that you can get through it really quickly and then and then just dig a bit deeper. If you find if you if you get the book and you find a monster, um, you know, triggers something in you that so you can then dig deeper into that monster and find out steps to overcome it. Um, if you don't mind, I might just read one small section. Fire away. About, 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 which I think is relevant because of what I, what I think is the brave new world we're living in. So coronavirus has changed the way we work, right? It's, it's, it's taken us from the office and into these hybrid workplaces, yep. but think, but things have always been changing you know once we were foraging around for berries in the forest yeah yeah I and then we were, yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> sloves right if you can find them uh and then you know we've gone into factories and out uh, and, and so get and so on but um but now things are changing again and we live in this what i consider since covid what i consider is the brave new world where you know challenge is hyper everything is changing around us we're dealing with hyperinflation one minute, there's too many people looking for jobs. Then, then the next minute, people are probably going to be laid off. Everything is just in flux the whole time. Uh, we've got the collapse of work-life boundaries, uh, fragmentation of the workspace. You know, maybe my son's going to run in behind me any minute now. Yeah. All these challenges. And we've got mental health challenges, right? We've got the, the NHS are forecasting, like a tidal wave of mental health challenges. And... Uh, I know you mentioned you've had some challenges, yeah, Nigel, yeah. And, and you know I think all of us, in one way or another, have had some challenges. Yeah. I developed tinnitus uh, like yeah. over the last year, so we've all got we've all got things to deal with. So we what the picture I'm trying to paint is that this this world is in flux. This world is this hyper change world, and to to be better prepared for it, leaders need to face up to that. We can't just uh, think, oh, it's business as usual. This isn't, we're not in, you know, Kansas anymore, Dorothy. We've like, think things have moved forward. So we're in this brave new world and business leaders can either retreat and try and pretend things are different, or if things are still the same and try and just like keep their office, their team, for example, locked in their office, don't offer them hybrid working and not, you know, not face up to these hyper challenges. Or if you're a bit smarter, you probably think, oh, actually, like everything is a bit more funky these days. We've got yeah. to start really reevaluating how we do stuff. And the way that I think leaders need to do that is by moving to a brave new workplace, a new way of their team um, coming together. So I think you do that by accepting the, the new workplace exists and then by unlocking the potential of your team because you can't afford to create if you want to go from a five-day week to a four-day week you're not going to be able to afford to do that if you're just but if you're just producing the same amount of stuff and you're just billing the same amount how can you do it you've got to unlock the potential of your team and I I think the way you do that is by upskilling your team members which is all one big pitch for saying how Basically, I can provide workshops or maybe even not with me. But let's say if you were to come to me, I could help you upscale skill your team so you can better create this brave new workplace and face these challenges. And you can learn all about that on my website, interstellarway.life. Just shoot me a message over there and I'll be glad to talk to you about it. But if you want to do it to me, with me, then find another trainer or yeah. expert to help you level up your team, because it's going to make the world a difference to you, um, your team members and, and their communities around them as well.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for giving me so much time today. Um, it's been a fascinating conversation and I'm sure um, what I'll do, I'll put links into the book and the, the website and all that sort of stuff for people to grab a copy um, and LinkedIn uh, into the uh, show notes. Um So all I've got to say really is thank you, Andrew, and um, have a brilliant rest of your day. Thank you, Nigel. Really loved all of this. Cheers. Well, I hope you uh, really enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, speak again next week. Cheers now. Bye. Wow, you made it this far. I'm guessing that you enjoyed the show, if you have. Or maybe we've just left it playing in the background. and forgot it was on. But if you did enjoy it, and uh, you're inclined to, I'd be delighted if you could share your, the show with your colleagues. Uh, it's Discoverability with podcasts is quite difficult, especially with a niche one like this. But sharing with your colleagues and letting them have a chance to listen to these fantastic guests would be brilliant. If you've got time, a review on whatever platform you uh, listen to it on, uh, would be great too, especially if it was a five-star one. Again, that makes it easier for people to discover the show when they're searching on there because comments comments uh, raise it up, the old search engine, some optimization on all the different tools. If you are feeling flush, I have a couple of ways you could uh, contribute. One is Patreon, uh, Patreon slash Sunday Lunch PM, and you can uh, uh, donate some money to the to the podcast that way uh, or you can jump along to my my um website nigelcreaser.com www.nigelcreaser.com and click on the link to the shop and in there you've got all my books that I've created uh, in the varying different guises in a number of different ways you can grab a copy of those and down at the bottom I've got the uh my, my guests books so everyone who's been on here if they've had a book I've got a link to their their uh, their book in there, and Amazon give me a little bit back for when someone buys from them. But uh, more importantly, uh, if you come back next time and listen, um, I'll be delighted. So I'll leave you alone and let you get on with your day now. Thank you. Bye. Well, it's goodbye from me, Nigel Creaser, and it's goodbye from him, the Sunday Lunch PM. Goodbye.